Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it's November 25th, 2018, and that means there's only one month left until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll learn all about the classic Jim Henson holiday special, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. We'll also get advice from a genuine baker on the best Christmas cookies. I'll tell you about a fun Christmas party game you can play. You'll decide who sang Sleigh Ride best. And we'll write another movie with all the hallmarks of a great Christmas movie. Okay, let's start the show! Seasons, greetings, and welcome to the show! I'm Tim Babb, stand-up comedian and Huel Fool. It feels good to be back where we belong, the Christmas season. This is the earliest I've ever decorated my house. I put up the lights on Thanksgiving morning so that as soon as the sun set on Thanksgiving night, boom, Christmas began! We were actually hosting this year, so I set the timer and it worked out great. As everyone left, they got to walk through my entirely too festive to be reasonable holiday display. It was kind of cool to put them up early this year, but the crazy thing is, I wasn't the first person on my block. I wasn't even the second. There were two houses on my block that had their lights up and on the day before Thanksgiving. I think there's a real hunger this year. People are ready for some holiday cheer, some Christmas miracles. Not just the usual diehards, but a lot of people want Christmas to come a little earlier this year. I feel like the Christmas tree lots popped up earlier this year. There's already so many Christmas ads on TV. People are ready for Christmas as soon as possible. I mean, maybe that's just me projecting my feelings on them, but either way, it leads nicely into our first segment. We need a little Christmas. Now! We need a So Christmas party season is coming up, and something you may learn about parties is that people like to play games. So I put a Christmas twist on a game that a friend introduced me to. I call it the Christmas stocking game. You break up into two teams, and everybody gets a tiny slip of paper and writes a word or phrase associated with Christmas. It could be a song title, a name, a food, a movie, a character, anything, as long as it relates to Christmas. Then everybody puts their paper in the stocking. Now, the game begins. There are three rounds. In round one, you pick a member of your team to grab the stocking. They have a minute to get their teammates to guess as many of the words or phrases in the stocking as they can. In round one, you can say anything. If it's a movie, you can say some lines from it. If it's a Christmas carol, you can sing it. You can say whatever you want except for any word or part of a word on the slip of paper. Uh, What do you mean a, a part of a word? Hey, imaginary listener, that sounds kind of like George Bailey. So if the word is reindeer, you can't say deer. So so what can you say? Pretty much anything else. Here, let's do some practice ones. All right, let me get a paper out of the stocking. Okay, I'm a big guy, I wear red, and I drive a sleigh. Uh, Santa! Yes! Okay, these are two colors associated with Christmas. Uh, silver and gold. Okay, yes, but I'm talking about the main colors. White and blue? White and blue? Yeah, oh, there's that song, White Christmas, and then that song, Blue Christmas. No, man! The main two colors! You see them everywhere! One is the color of Santa's suit, the other is the color of Christmas trees! Uh, Red and green? Yes! Finally! Okay, one more. This is the reason for the season! Uh, Jesus! 
Exactly. And that's how it works. After a minute, you count how many your team guessed and you get that many points. Then the stocking goes to the other team and they do the same thing for a minute. Then it goes back to the first team and a different member of the team holds the stocking and tries to get them to guess. You go back and forth until the stocking is empty. Then you add up all the points and put all the slips of paper back in the stocking. Now it's round two. Same basic idea. You have a minute to get your team to guess, but now you can only say one word for each clue. No gestures, no additional words, one word. How can you guess with just one word? Hey, imaginary listener, it sounds like Kermit the Frog. So it pays to be paying close attention in round one so you can remember what's on the slips of paper in round two. Like, what would you guess if I said colors? Uh, Red and green? Yes! Now, how about if I said sleigh? Uh, Santa? Boom! You're nailing it! How about birthday? Presents? No. Party? No! Piñata? That's not even a Christmas thing. You realize people are screaming the answer at their phones right now because you're not guessing it right. Didn't you listen to the last round? Not really. I'm kind of binge-watching all the Hallmark movies, so I'm only half-listening to what you're saying. Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The person whose birthday we celebrate on Christmas is Jesus. Oh, I get it now. Fantastic. So, that's round two, and it's the same thing. It goes back and forth until the stocking is empty. Then you add up the points, put the papers back in the stocking, and it's time for the final round. In round three, you get to say no words. It's essentially charades. And it... Wait, who tapped me? Oh, hey, imaginary listener. That sounds like famous mime, Marceau Marceau. You want to play too? Great. Why don't you act out the clues, and I'll guess. Okay, pointing to your red shirt. Oh, red and green. All right. Rocking a baby. Uh, uh, Jesus! Okay. Okay, you're, you're grabbing your belly. Looks like you're laughing. You're going over to that plate of cookies. Oh, you're Santa! Okay, I get it. You don't have to eat the cookie. Hey! What? I'm, we're bringing those to a potluck. Don't eat all those cookies. Don't make me call Arnold Schwarzenegger. You asked for it. Hey, Arnie! Put that cookie down! Now! Thank you, Arnie. And that's how the game goes. The Christmas stocking game. But isn't this essentially just the same game as the game Salad Bowl? Yes, but instead of random answers, we're using all Christmas-themed answers. Plus, instead of a salad bowl, we use a stocking. But if you use the salad bowl like in the original game, you could call it the Christmas Bowl. Or Salad Christmas. All right, I'll take that under advisement. In the meantime, I'm going to get back to the show. All right. And that's the game. Hope you enjoyed it. We tried to play it on Thanksgiving, but I couldn't remember the rules, so we played a very fractured version of it. But we still had a lot of fun. If you have any Christmas games that you like to play, let me know about them. Email me at christmas at tancast.com. Who knows? It might be featured on a future episode. But now, let's move on to our next segment, Five Golden Things. So this Five Golden Things was a suggestion from listener Glenn. It's actually been a long time coming. He sent this almost a year ago, but I've been looking for a good episode to show it off. Well, today is finally the day. Glenn writes, I'm a baker by trade, and I wanted to give you my top five favorite Christmas cookies. Put that cookie down! Now! No, no, Arnold. We're done with that bit. Glenn's been waiting long enough for this. Let's show him some respect. Sorry. Okay, back to the letter. Glenn says, I love sweets, especially during the holidays. These are the homemade ones, not the myriad of Christmas-themed cookies that are available during the holidays. Here are my faves. Number five. Shortbread. Who doesn't love the rich, buttery taste of a shortbread cookie? I like to make whipped shortbread, but regular rolled shortbread is wonderful as well. Number four. Mint chocolate chip. 
The cool, fresh intake of mint combined with the rich, chocolatey goodness of the chips. It's like hot chocolate stirred with a candy cane. Number three. Gingerbread. It seems like this cookie only comes out during the holidays, but this combo of cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and allspice is the classic blend of Christmas. Number two. Crinkle cookies. These are the chocolate cookies which are rolled in powdered sugar and baked. When they come out, the cookies have these wonderful cracks showing the rich chocolatey goodness inside while being covered in sweet, sweet sugar. Honorable mentions! Shortbread candy canes! Yes, these are shortbread like mentioned before, but they are a bit of a pain to make. The shortbread needs to be rolled out into a rope, then you combine the two colors and shape into a cane. Any time during this process, the shortbread can break and you have to start all over. Number one! Snowballs! These may be a little different depending on where you live, but the ones I make are combinations of chocolate, oatmeal, sugar, and coconut. They are rolled into balls and then rolled in coconut. Here's my recipe from my blog. Yes, it's a blatant plug. You don't have to include it if you don't want to. Well, don't worry, Glenn. I do want to, and I put it in the show notes. There's a little bit more from Glenn here. He says, what's your favorite cookie? Is it like picking a favorite child? You know you have one. Wink, wink. Well, Glenn, I guess my favorite Christmas cookie is whichever one is not currently ignoring me while making a mess in the bathroom! Wait, hold on. I, I think I misunderstood the question. Well, you know what? Let's turn it over to the waiters. Do you have a favorite Christmas cookie? Maybe one that wasn't mentioned? Head on over to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com, click on the comment box, and put that cookie down. <laughs> it doesn't work when you do it. Yeah, I noticed it kind of as soon as I said it. I'm sorry. I'm done. Hasta la vista, cookie! All right, well, now it's time for our next segment. All I want for Christmas is news. Baby, all I want for Christmas is news. Yeah. Give me that news, baby. Yeah, With Christmas shopping season in full effect, I've got a story that you might find helpful. It's from the folks at World Against Toys Causing Harm Incorporated, or WATCH. They put out their 46th annual list of the 10 worst toys to buy this holiday season. Now, to be clear, these aren't toys that aren't fun or are too expensive. These are toys the groups believe would present a hazard to your kids. Some of the toys featured on this list are Nella, the Nickelodeon nighttime pillow. They worry about that being left in a crib with a baby at night. Uh, then there's the Power Rangers Super Ninja Steel Superstar Blade, which they worry kids will hit each other with since it's marked as being for kids four and up. Then there's the Mini Clara Ballerina Doll, which is marked as safe for two-year-olds, but comes with a tiny kitten that could be a choking hazard. I've posted the full list in the show notes at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Now, the Toy Association, who represents the makers of these toys, has pointed out that there are warnings on the box for these toys that point out the things that Watch is complaining about. But the watch people aren't having it. They say that, for example, just because the Black Panther slash claw has a warning not to hit anyone with it, that doesn't really solve the problem. Specifically, they say, when you call it a slash claw, there's likely one thing a child is going to do with that claw. Now, far be it from me to sound like I don't care about the safety of our children, but as a father of two, I can promise you that you could call the thing Black Panther's cuddle mitten, kids are still going to hit each other with it. Kids are tiny little lunatics. We only tolerate them because they're adorable. And speaking of adorable, let's get to today's featured segment. Dear Ma, I'll be gone all day. I'll explain about the wash tub when I see you late tonight. Love, Emmett. Dear Emmett, I'll be home late tonight, and I'll explain about the tool chest when I see you. Love, Ma. Every November, we have a tradition on this show to talk about those lovable creations from the mind of Jim Henson. 
We call it Muppet Vember. Well, I call it Muppet Vember, and thus far no one has asked me to stop. But what people have asked for is one particular Muppet Christmas production. As an example, here's a letter we got from Shannon that we read back in July. Hey Tim, love your show, look forward to it every month. I especially love the episodes where you talk about Disney or the Muppets. Speaking of the Muppets, or Jim Henson specifically, how about a show dedicated to Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas? It's my absolute favorite Christmas show, and I'm pretty sure you haven't talked about it yet on the show. When you meet somebody that don't like soul food, they still got a soul. And it don't mean that you got no rhythm if you don't like rock and roll. But if you taste like mine, you like cider, not wine, then your very favorite thing to do is get a pretty girl dancing to junk band music and a mess barbecue. Not long after we read that, I got this note from Brianna. Emmett Otter is one of my favorite movies, and I was so excited to hear that it will be featured on this year's Muppet Vember. Head full of good thoughts, belly full of grub, money in your pocket when there ain't no hole in the washtub. That sure is your basic keeping warm while you're rowing home kind of song, Ma. Your nails won't break and your toes won't stub. You never get a fever when there ain't no hole in the washtub. And do you remember Glenn, who provided us with today's five golden things? Well, in that same letter, with the five golden things, he also said, Another Muppet Christmas show that you might not have heard of is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It came out in the late 70s, so it may be only remembered by people of a certain age. And that's just a quick sample. This is probably the most requested topic in the Can't Wait for Christmas mailbag. So today is the day. We're talking Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Long, long ago, there lived a lady, simple but elegant as any on the shore. She was known for her generous silhouette. And yet, she was Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is based on a book of the same name written by Russell Hoban. Both the book and the special tell the story of Emmett Otter and his mother Alice and their desire to get each other something nice for Christmas. You see, Emmett's father has passed away, and the town they live in has fallen on hard times, so they are just barely making ends meet, with Ma Otter washing clothes and Emmett finding odd fix-it jobs. But then they each learn of a talent contest that will be held the day before Christmas with a $50 cash prize. Unbeknownst to each other, they both decide to enter the contest and use the prize money to buy each other a gift. The only problem is, Emmett plays a washtub bass in a jug band, but to do that, he had to put a hole in Ma Otter's washtub. Meanwhile, Ma needs a nice dress to wear when she sings on stage, but to afford the dress material, she had to sell Emmett's toolkit. I won't tell you how it ends, but... I just said I wasn't to say how it ends. I want people who don't know the story to be able to discover it for themselves. I actually checked the book out from my local library, and it is a charming story. A fairly quick read, too. I read it to my boys before bedtime a few nights ago. But turning the story into a TV special took a lot of work from a lot of talented people, starting, of course, with director Jim Henson. While working on the first season of The Muppet Show, Jim acquired the TV rights to the book to use as a project in the break between the first and second seasons. The book was fleshed out into a screenplay by Jerry Jewell, head writer for The Muppet Show, who would go on to be the head writer for Fraggle Rock as well. This was new territory for the Henson Company. They weren't making up a new story, nor using some old tale from the public domain. They were adapting a well-known and well-loved story. And part of the key to keeping that adaptation as faithful as possible was the character design. 
I'll let Muppet performer Jerry Nelson, who played Emmett in the special, explain. Our shop, the, the Muppet shop, had so faithfully reproduced the characters as they were in the book. I mean, Emmett looked just like Emmett in the book, and Ma looked like Ma in the book. And they did an amazing job, as they always did in any project. And, of course, it makes a, a, a puppeteer's job all the easier because you have this wonderful character that's fully who they are just from looking at them. You get a sense of how hard life is for them and, uh, you know, for that they're, they're not, you know, you see from the fox who's elegant in her, uh, in her clothes and, and uh, then some of the other creatures who are you know, almost threadbare in their clothes. So you see kind of the strata of animal society in this. And our workshop really faithfully reproduced all of that. And it wasn't easy. This special presented all sorts of challenges. They actually built this whole town of Frogstown Hollow, including a huge river that Emmett and Ma would travel down on a rowboat while talking and singing. Now, maybe they considered having the Muppet performers in scuba gear under the boat, but they ultimately went a different way. They had to build a separate set of Muppets that were operated by remote control. This was the first time that had been done in a Muppet production. And the effects hold up today. Now, I can't say the same for the other challenge they had on this special, which was seeing the characters walk in a long shot. They used marionettes to achieve this effect, which presented two separate challenges. The first being the design of a Muppet. You design differently for a hand puppet versus a marionette. For instance, the neck needs to be pretty wide for a hand puppet in order to accommodate the puppeteer's hand. But for a marionette, you want the neck to be very narrow so it's able to be moved from the strings. The other challenge, well, I'll let creative consultant on the special Michael K. Frith explain. I've never seen a cut from a hand puppet to a marionette that I believed. <laughs> and I, I don't know that much of anybody else does has either. I think, um, though, we do tend to be very forgiving in these kinds of scenes. Man, is he right. You can totally tell when they cut to the marionettes. Sometimes it looks like Emmett is just floating along the street like he's a ghost. I don't think my sons really noticed, but my wife and I shared a look whenever the marionettes were on screen. Thankfully, it wasn't that often. As long as I'm pointing out technical first of this special, I should point out that this special was the first time we see Kermit riding a bike, an effect that was later used very famously in the Muppet movie and especially the great Muppet caper. Well, you can see it if you have the new DVD or if you catch this special on Freeform. You see, Kermit the Frog introduces and ends the special as sort of a narrator, but after Disney bought the Muppets in 2005, future broadcasts and home media releases edited out his scenes. However, last year was the 40th anniversary of the special, and they released a 40th anniversary DVD, and Kermit's scenes were restored. I'm guessing Disney has so much Star Wars and Marvel money spilling out of their pockets, they were like, yeah, sure, sure, use the frog, why not? Now, as I mentioned earlier, Jerry Nelson performed Emmett Otter, but Ma Otter was a hybrid performance. On set, Ma Otter was performed by the legendary Muppeteer Frank Oz, whom you probably know as Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, Cookie Monster, or Yoda. And while they were shooting, Frank did the voices as well. Well... I got the bill right he here. And since it's three days till Christmas, I'd really appreciate it if you'd fall off the dock. <laughs> That's telling her, Ma. But then they brought in Marilyn Sokol to record Ma Otter's voice in the final edit. Well, I got the bill right he here. And since it's three days till Christmas, I'd really appreciate it if you'd fall off the dock. <laughs> Way to go, Ma. Now, I have to admit, I'm an enormous fan of Frank Oz. Fozzie Bear and Grover are two of my favorite characters. So when I found out they edited out his voice, I was kind of bummed. 
But after hearing Marilyn's performance of When the River Meets the Sea, I completely understand why they brought her in. When the mountain touches the valley, all the clouds are taught to fly. Thus our souls shall leave this land most peacefully. In fact, Frank Oz was interviewed about this not too long ago, and he said, I would be thrown in jail if I tried to sing those songs. Songs that beautiful need a beautiful voice. It was always intended that way. One place you can still hear Frank's voice is in the outtake reel that was included in the 40th anniversary DVD. In particular, there was a scene where Emmett and Ma were standing outside a music store when a drum is supposed to roll out the door, knock into a milk jug, and fall over. They did it in rehearsal, and it worked perfectly. Then they rolled cameras and could not get it to work again. They did take after take after take. I think Jerry said it was the record for the most takes they'd ever done in a Muppet production for one shot up until that point. And in the outtakes, you can hear Jerry and Frank losing their minds, waiting for the drum to roll right and fall right. We're going to have you drum down to this business. Kick him, Emmett. What the? You okay, Emmett? Spare change. Anything for me and my son? Come on, we just need a little, you know. Get the drum, run, run. It's worth about ten bucks. Oh. Run, run. I can't. My feet are stable. You stupid. Right in the nose. <laughs> Get off my foot. Who are we, Mom? I couldn't care less. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I'm reading the clackboard correctly, but it looked like they did over 200 takes of it. The audio doesn't do it justice. I put a link in the show notes to the video that they released of the outtakes so you can see the visuals. Don't let anyone tell you artists don't suffer for their art. Can't we do it again, Ma? Shut up, Emmett. Another key to what makes this special... Uh, special? Is the music. Paul Williams wrote the music for this special. He would later go on to write the music for the Muppet movie and the Muppet Christmas Carol. Frank Oz said of Paul Williams, Paul got the spirit of the Muppets, and Jim. Not everybody can, you know? People don't often get the fact of the sense of purity and the sense of play and the sense of integrity of character. They sometimes, as an adult, try to make things clever or funny, but Paul just approached it the same way Jim did and we did. He had that ability to, in a way, be one of us in the musical realm. And it all started because Paul was a guest on The Muppet Show. I think the first time Jim mentioned Emmett Otter to me was, was during the taping of The Muppet Show. Jim came to me and he said, we're planning to do a, a Muppet movie. But before we do that, we're going to try out a few things. And we're going to do that with this thing for HBO called Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. I was sent the, the, the script first, but with the book as well. The songs were pretty well set for where they would go in Emmett Otter, whereas in the Muppet movie we we kind of played it by ear as we went along. Emmett Otter in some ways took me back to the place that I started and wanted to be involved in movies, wanted to be involved in music, uh, uh, that place where it was safe to just play. And once again, I think I do my best work when I play instead of work. And Jim gave me that. Jim gave me that. It, it, was, it was always fun to, to go to the piano or go to the studio if, it was, if there were Muppets involved. Now, if you listened to our Thanksgiving Christmas podcast crossover episode a few days back, you'll remember that Mike Westfall from the Advent Calendar House podcast pointed out that none of the songs on the soundtrack have anything to do with Christmas. But I do feel like there are three songs that definitely have a Christmassy message to me. The best part is, they're all connected. 
The first is Ma Otter's Our World, a song about the positive effect love can have in the world. We're closer now than ever before. There's love in our world and we're showing it more. Our world says welcome stranger. Then, Emmett Otter and the Frogtown Hollow Jubilee Jug Band sing a song of friendship called Brothers. How much alike we are, perhaps we're long-lost brothers, we even think the same, you know there may be others. Then, in a stroke of genius, the two songs are mashed up into one big ball of hope, love, and positivity. We're closer now than ever before. The special even had a song that didn't make it into the show. There was a last song called Born in a Trunk that was cut. There's one song that was written for, for Emma Daughter's Jugman Christmas that never made it into the final cut. And it was a song written for the talent show. And I believe it was written for the, the little lady that ran the music store, who was very kind of prim and proper, who then would walk on stage and just you know, sing this rousing kind of body version of a song like that stage i've been walked on but i bet Speaking of the music, just a few weeks ago, the soundtrack got an official release for the first time, so you can actually get all these songs on CD or digital download or whatever you kids today use for your crazy music. Not only that, Emmett Otter is coming home on Blu-ray for the first time on December 18th, and it's even going to be on the big screen December 10th and 16th. No, it's not a remake, it's a special two-night event. The original TV special will be in theaters as a double feature with The Bells of Fraggle Rock, which is apparently a thing that I need to learn about as soon as possible. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to head out and see it. And I'm sure a lot of you will, because like I said, so many of you have requested that I talk about this movie. But if I can give you some advice, take a friend. I've been prepping this show for a while, and now with only one exception... Everyone I've asked about this special had no idea what I was talking about. Like, they'd never heard of it. And I'm not just talking about millennials, who people seem to want to blame for everything these days. I'm talking about multiple generations. My mom hadn't heard of it. My wife hadn't heard of it. None of my high school or college buddies had heard of it. I think this is one of those things that's super popular to a certain segment of the population, but completely flies under the radar for a lot of people. So it's up to us to introduce it to new audiences. I did my part. In fact, why don't we listen to the results of my test screening? So what did you think of it? Good. You liked it? Uh-huh. What was your favorite part? Um, my favorite part was when the snake said there was a frog. <laughs> so the very beginning? Mm, I liked that part. <laughs> did you have a favorite song, or did you like the songs? Yes, I loved the songs. What was your favorite part of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas? I, I think I liked the beginning. Which part? When Kermit the Frog was, like, explaining it. Okay. Like, Did you have a favorite song? Uh, no, I liked, I liked all of them. 
Now here's something for both of you. Do you think you guys want to watch this every Christmas? Yeah. Nah. We got a one yes and one no. All right. Anything else you want to say about it? I want to show on Christmas before I stop recording. I liked it. Okay. Me so- too. I liked it too. So there you go. Based on my data, the prime target of this special is four-year-olds. I don't know, maybe that's not that scientific. But whatever the age, you should share this special with someone new this year. That way, instead of being in some exclusive club, we can all experience a classic bit of magic from Jim Henson. a different kind of Christmas TV entertainment. We've been talking about the Hallmark Movie Channel's Christmas movies all year, but now is the time to watch actual Hallmark Christmas movies. Hallmark has their special blend of Christmas comfort food stories going on two different channels. My wife and I have been watching at least two a night for the past week or so, and the other night we were in the middle of one and I said, have we seen this one before? And she said, no, why? I said, it seems very familiar. She looked at me and said, uh... I don't know if you know this about Hallmark movies, and she didn't need to finish that sentence. The formula is there. They all have a lot of story beats in common, but this one was so similar to one we'd already seen. It was about a mom, and she was in a small town, and she was about to get evicted, and her kids were in trouble, and she worked at a diner. Now, there's a real good chance you remember a Hallmark movie with the plot that I'm describing, but there's a 50-50 chance you're thinking of the wrong movie, because these were two completely separate movies. That's crazy! Come on, Hallmark, you gotta shake it up a bit. We'll show you how it's done in our next segment, All the Hallmarks of a Great Christmas Movie. So a few days ago, I grabbed a synopsis for a Hallmark movie and I stripped out some of the specifics. Then I went on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and asked you to fill them in. I asked for a city, a career, a famous city, a nickname for that famous city, a business, a crummy job, and a talent. And so many people came through. Thanks to all of you who wrote in. Sean, Jim, Lindsay, Michael, Not the Religious Podcast, Broken Boredom, Weston, Rachel, Brandon, Michelle, Leslie, David, Mary, Joshua, Glenn, Matt, Linda, April, Suzanne, Lauren, Rich, Paul, Sunny, Jennifer, Amy, Anita, Shannon, Christina, Laura, Alvin, Sherry, Andrew, Kelly, and Justin. Thanks to you guys, we have Bucksnort, Tennessee. Elevator Mechanic, Chicago, The Windy City, Hot Dog Stand, Bathroom Attendant, and Unicycle Riding. And that brings us to our latest movie pitch, A Windy City Christmas. Anita, a Bucksnort, Tennessee-based elevator mechanic, travels to Chicago to close a deal to take over the city's oldest family-owned hot dog stand. While she's in town, she bumps into her old flame Alvin, a local bathroom attendant with loftier aspirations. Although Anita tries to stay focused on work, Alvin pulls her back into the days when they were a unicycle-riding duo on the brink of stardom. Anita finds herself drawn to the Windy City and Alvin as she dreams of making unicycling magic once again. See, Hallmark, I guarantee if you make that movie, no one will be turning to their spouse and asking, Did we already see this movie where the elevator repair technician falls for the bathroom attendant while she's trying to take over a hot dog stand? It's not gonna happen. You're welcome. Though I have to say I almost went with Detroit instead of Chicago, but then the nickname for Detroit was Motown, and then the title of the movie would be A Motown Christmas, and based on the synopsis we ended up with, that would be a very misleading title. 
Now, we're going to be doing one more of these before the end of the year, so be sure you're following the show on Twitter, at ChristmasPod, and then Instagram and Facebook, Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And finally, it's time for a little friendly competition as we play another round of Who Sang It Best? For this round, we're going to have two versions of Sleigh Ride square off and compete for your votes. So giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go and meet our contestants! In the green corner, it's the Grammy-winning, chart-topping, rock-and-roll, Hall of Fame-inducted trio from Spanish Harlem, New York, the Ronettes! Just see the sleigh bells jingle and ring, tingle, tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. In the red corner, a legendary jazz singer from Newport News, Virginia, known as Lady Ella, the first lady of song, the queen of jazz, Ella Fitzgerald! up to you. You can cast your vote today at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. You'll also find YouTube videos of the full song from each singer in our show notes. You can vote once a day, every day, and then check out our December 15th episode to find out who sang it best. And that's our show. Thank you for being a part of it. Since we're in the thick of the season, we'll be back early next month. Look for a new episode on December 15th. Plus, we'll have another bonus episode on Christmas Eve Eve, December 23rd. If you haven't checked out our most recent bonus Thanksgiving Day episode, you totally should. I know, it's not Thanksgiving anymore, but the show wasn't even about Thanksgiving. It was just a bunch of Christmas podcasters getting together to share our favorite Christmas music traditions. You see, the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is a part of the Christmas Podcast Network, a collection of the greatest Christmas podcasts around. Like our friend Dwayne from Tinsel Tunes, a podcast that goes into detail about your favorite festive tunes. You can find out more about that show and all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. And don't forget to visit our website to vote on Sleigh Ride, get your Emmett Otter screening info, get Glenn's cookie recipes, and discover how many typos slipped past me as I posted this at 1am. Well, get out there, enjoy the season, and while you do it, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2018. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can'twaitforchristmaspod. Or on Twitter, we are at ChristmasPod. Or you could always send us an email directly at christmas at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. 
all other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God blesses everyone. Cutting it close. All right, here we go. Cutting it close. Just recording it like a couple hours before I'm supposed to post it. This is what happens when I try and do two episodes in a week. It's too much for my brittle old Christmas bones. What do you mean, a part of a word? I just sound like an old guy. I really need to watch more Jimmy Stewart clips so I can make this impression at least somewhat passable. Well, George Bailey. Oh, okay. Oh, I adjusted the microphone. Gotta keep it the same. Nope, nope. Oh, are you going to be a punk? Don't be a punk. The microphone almost fell all the way over. Okay, now stay there. Want to keep consistent audio. The Toy Association, who represents the makers of these toys, have pointed out, has pointed out, grammar. I don't know if Mignon Fogarty listens, but she would be happy that I am going back and correcting this, I bet. My kids are tiny little lunatics. Oh, not my kids. (laughs) Sorry, James and Michael. I just misread that. (laughs) It's supposed to be all kids are tiny little lunatics, not just my kids. (laughs) But I mean... Technically, if all kids are tiny little lunatics, both the book and the special tell the story of Emmett Otter and his mother, Alice, and their desire to get each other some... And their desire to get each other something nice for Christmas. I do not know why I read... I'm sorry. Put another quarter in, Tim. He's broken. The book was fleshed out into a screenplay by Jerry Jewell, head writer for The Muppet Show, who would go on to be the head writer for Fraggle Walk as well. Fraggle Walk? Uh, a wife for Fraggle Walk. Oh, those wascoey Fraggles. But for a marionette, you want the neck to be very nario. Nario? Nario. Nario. I keep flubbing my lines and I want to go home. Not only that, Emmett Otter is coming to the big screen. Hang on, I gotta get the Emmett Otter. Boom, 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 butter, boom, boom, boom. I decided I should know the date. Why make you go to my website to find out the date? I mean, I would like you to go to my website, but not because I didn't give you enough information. I have to make you do extra work. Come on, just tell me the date. Oh, no! Oh! So I just Googled it, and apparently on December 18th, uh, a couple weeks after this show drops, there's going to be a new Blu-ray release of Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas, including a Jug Band revival featurette. That means there's going to be more Emma Daughter Jug Band behind-the-scenes facts that are going to be out there in the, in the, in the world, but they're not going to be on this episode of the podcast. So when someone comes back and listens to this after that is out, they'll be like, he didn't even talk about Burger Burger. I don't even know what, because it's on the Blu-ray that hasn't come out yet. Oh, why? I feel like this is always romper room when I read all the names of the people who helped out with the Hallmark movie thing. Like, I see Laura and Alvin and Sherry and Andrew and Kelly and Justin. And, 
Hey, if I go backwards, it's from Justin to Kelly. That's a joke for all 12 of you who've seen that movie. Did you, uh, and did you like it compared to the book? Yes. I didn't even see the pictures in the book. You, you didn't look at the pictures when we were reading the book? Mm-mm. Oh. I think we were in Jima's room. I think we were in your room when we read the book. Why? Because that's what I remember. But I didn't look at the pictures. Okay. I forgot. <laughs> I don't know what they are. I don't know what the pictures look at. So what was your favorite part of the Emmett Otter? Wait. What's your favorite part of the bad air quality we're having so far? None of it. (laughs) Don't make me call Arnold Schwarzenegger. You asked for it. Hey, Arnie. Put that cookie down. Now. Put that cookie, put that, put that cookie, put that, put that cookie, put that, put that, put that cookie down, 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 cookie down, down, cookie down, put that.